Welcome to the Messiah Podcast. We are so glad you tuned in today. Whether you are driving, doing chores, or taking a walk, we hope the Lord quiets your head and your heart to hear truth and be challenged through His Word. Without further ado, let's dive into the message. It's great to see all of you here this morning. Uh, Grab a Bible, if you would, start turning over to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. We're uh, continuing the Easter story. And uh, today I'm going to ask you to actually put yourself into the story. So I don't want you to be a spectator today. I'd really like you to be kind of involved and uh, at, the, at the heart of what is going on. And uh, because, because there's a lot going on. Think about Easter morning for just a moment. That we know what happened when the, the women went to the tomb and Jesus is gone. Nobody can quite understand what's going on. But here's the interesting thing that I want to start out with and kind of set the stage for. The greatest miracle of all eternity happened on Easter morning. When Jesus rose from the dead, it changed everything. It changed our eternity. It changed it from law over to grace. It, the promises that God has a place for us in heaven and that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That's how we get to the, to the Father. That's how we get to heaven. Everything in life changed. We went from law to grace. It's amazing, and yet, here's the thing, nobody knew it. So this is what I want to start out as a foundation, is that if the greatest event of all history took place, whether you knew it or not does not change the fact that it had already happened, and it impacts our lives, even if we didn't realize it at the time. Now, where are we headed in the message for today? is that God is at work doing some of the greatest work in your life, whether you see it or not. It's already happening. It has already happened. You just may not know it yet. And when we go through things in our life that we don't understand, God has already gone before. God is already working inside. God is already working the circumstances for His glory, for our good. They've already been in place working you just don't know it yet and I think sometimes in life it happens to all of us that we're in the midst of whatever it is that we're going through we can't make sense of it so you've probably heard this expression that hindsight is 2020 have you heard it yeah you probably used it well you know what why is that so true especially when it comes to divine things because things might happen in your life that are very bad that you think are very bad, but given time, you can look back and say, oh my goodness, that was the best thing that had ever happened to me. We had a baptism here about 10 days ago for a gentleman who was 54 years old, and I was talking to his brother, and his brother had spent some time in prison. And he said, it was the worst time of my entire life. But you know what he told me? Looking back, It was the best thing that ever happened to him. Because he came to Christ and he realized how messed up he was, how broken his life was, and it took going to prison for him to meet Jesus and give his life over to Jesus. At the time, he was fighting it, he was angry, he was mad, he was frustrated, he was disappointed, he was angry at himself, and yet we look hindsight and all of a sudden he's like, Man, that was the best thing. Best thing. Changed my eternity. Changed my life. Changed my perspective. Changed me at the core of who I am. 
even though it was the worst time of my, my life. See, we can all probably look back and see decisions that we make, that we made, or we can look back on things that happened in our life, and we can go, oh my goodness, at the time it was horrible, and I made decisions based upon it. Now, looking back, maybe you have regrets. Maybe you wish you would have done something different. Maybe you wish you knew then what you knew now because you might have made a different decision back then. But you can look back and you can also see what God did with those decisions. So here's, here's the premise of this, and then we're going to get into the word. You don't always understand. I don't always understand what God is doing at the moment. I don't understand. And, and I can't figure out my life at times. And I bet you can't figure out your life at times either. But God's telling us, and we're going to see today, God says, don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in your own wisdom. Don't trust in your own knowledge. Don't trust in your own understanding. Trust God when you can't understand what's going on. Okay, with that being said, Luke 24. We're going to start at verse 13. Now, let me just tell you what the story is. And then we'll get into the details of it. It's Easter afternoon. Nobody can understand what happened. Nobody. Women go to the tomb, come back, say Jesus is gone, and they were told he's risen. Disciples aren't believing it. Nobody can make sense of anything. They didn't see Jesus. They don't know what's going on. So these two guys, we know one of them is Cleopas, says, you know what? Let's go for a walk. And they go to Emmaus, about seven miles from there. So if you can picture walking from Messiah to the Burger King in Freeland, that's probably about seven miles, seven, eight miles from here. So that would be the distance. And they go for a walk, and Jesus appears on the scene. Incredible story. So let's look at it. Now that same day, Easter, Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Okay, pause. Pause. There's a lot in that. They're walking and talking about everything that happened. Yeah, of course, they're trying to make sense of it. They're trying to make sense of what the women said. They're trying to make sense of what the disciples said. They're trying to make sense of this, and they can't make sense. So they're reviewing everything that they know. They're, they're talking. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm not interjecting what they were talking about, but you can imagine that Friday was the worst day of their life because they lost Jesus, their best friend. And now Sunday, they're hearing rumors that he's alive, but nobody's seen him yet, but they're just being told. But the women, some of the women saw, thought he was a gardener, Turns out it was Jesus. They saw, and they don't know if these were visions. They don't know if this was actual, and they're just talking about everything that transpired, and Jesus went and walked with them. Now, do you find that funny? I mean, like, did Jesus go, whoa, I better, I better take off because they're a mile down the road, so I better run and go catch them. No, it says he, he what? He came up and he walked along with them. 
Um, and we're going to see that Jesus is not, he's not bound by time or space anymore because we're going to see at the very end, he disappeared, literally just vanished right from their sight. And then we're going to see next week when we look at it that he suddenly appears in the room with all of them. So somehow, I mean, this is just the mystery of God. God shows up on the scene close to where they were, walks along with them, and they don't recognize him. Don't miss, they don't recognize him. Do you always recognize God in your life? Do you always recognize the work of God? We call a lot, of time, a lot of things that happen that are divine in our life, oh, that was a coincidence. And actually, that's an accurate word. It's, it's a very true word. It means a coincident. Do you know, understand that's what a coincidence is? Co, meaning cooperative, meaning somebody else was part of the incident. Yeah, absolutely. That was a co-incident. Not a happen chance. That was a co-incident. When things happen in your life, you're like, wow, that was a coincidence. You're right. God was in it. You were, you're absolutely right. But here's the change today, because now we know the rest of the story, that after Pentecost, we have the Spirit in us. We have Christ in us. Do you realize that you are part of that miracle in other people's lives that when you show up on the scene for whatever reason that you are sent by God in representing Christ because you have Christ in you and God shows up on the scene through you into somebody else's life. Don't ever underestimate that God is using you on a daily basis to be part of the co-incident, part of the God incident in someone else's life and you walk up and say, how are you? You show up and say, can I help you? You show up and say, why are you sad today? You know, you make a phone call, you whatever. You take a moment and you ask somebody, are they doing okay? Are they really doing okay? It's Christ in you reaching out to that person, loving that person and showing that God cares about them. In this situation, God was on the scene. God himself is on the scene. God's present with them and they can't recognize him. How often in our life is God with us and we don't recognize him? How often is God working in our life and we don't recognize him? In their minds, they were just like, who, I wonder who this guy is. No, this guy was Jesus. This guy was God. They didn't know it. Okay, so he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, probably sarcastically, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? Are you clueless, they're thinking? Are you the only one who doesn't have a clue of what's going on in the world right now? I mean, that's, that's what they were asking him. And Jesus must have smiled when he says, what things? He must have smiled because I want, you, I want to remind you it's all about Jesus. And they're talking about what happened to Jesus. So he's got the first-hand knowledge of everything that happened because it happened to him. They're the second person. They're the second party. He knows everything that happened to him. And they're like, don't you know what happened? Mm, what, what, what things happen? And I don't know how he did it, but he kept a straight face about Jesus of Nazareth. 
Now, can you imagine Jesus? You know, can't you see him sitting there like, if he had a beard, stroking his beard, like, hmm, wonder what they're going to say about me. It's a really funny story. He was a prophet. You think Jesus thinking, hmm, okay, you think I'm a prophet. Powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. Hmm, interesting. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Okay, now I gotta stop. Did you hear disappointment? We thought he was going to redeem Israel. He didn't. Here's Jesus. So you're disappointed in me because I didn't do what you thought I ought to do. Does that hit home? You're disappointed in me because I didn't do what you wanted me to do because you had your interest in mind. But Jesus had God interest in mind. What do you do when you're hurting? What do you do? And if we could just pause and let this settle, and I want you to answer this. What do you do when you're hurting? They were hurting. They were disappointed. They thought this powerful prophet was going to save Israel in the way that they thought he ought to save them. And he didn't. And they were hurting. See, we get a little insight. How did these two respond to the hurt? They went for a walk. Eight mile walk, seven mile walk. That's how they responded to their hurt. How do you respond when you're hurt? Do you know there's something in our human nature that when we're hurting, you have to do something about it. It's part of our brokenness. Now, maybe you choose healthy ways when you're hurting. I mean, when I'm hurting, the gym is one of the best outlets in my life. And I will go and be like a maniac lifting weights until I can't lift another weight. Because we all have to do something when we're hurting. Or I have to get away. This is how I deal with hurt. Or I have to get away and work on a project, put worship music on, and kind of surround myself in worship music and and work on a project where I can do something mindless. Because I know if I don't do one of those two things, I'm probably going to do something unhealthy. Because our nature is always to do something unhealthy. I mean, what do you do when you're hurting? You get angry? You lash out? Do you drink? Do you do drugs? Do you jump on your phone and do something mindless? Do you do Facebook? Do you write? Do you get angry and write angry things on Facebook? What do you do when you're hurting? Because we all have to do something. I mean, some people turn to pornography. Some people turn to unhealthy, majorly unhealthy things that sometimes turn into an addiction because we keep numbing ourselves. Why do we keep numbing ourselves? Because we don't know what to do with the hurt. And everyone hurts. Everybody has hurts in their lives. Everybody has disappointments in their life with other people or maybe a disappointment with God because of what God did or a disappointment with what happened to us or we're a victim of something or we were the brunt of something that happened or we did it, we chose to do it 
And we're, now we're mad at ourselves and we're angry at ourselves and now we're hurting because our life is messed up because of the choices we made while we were hurting and we compounded the issue and made it worse and worse and worse and now we don't know what to do because now we're like compounded hurting. Am I speaking to anybody in the house? Because guess what? Every one of us hurts at times. Because life is broken, and we are broken, and we don't know what to do with our hurt. Some people veg out watching movies. Some people turn on Netflix and do, you know, like Netflix all day. That's how they deal with the hurt. Some people eat like a horse. That's what I got to watch. That's how we deal with the hurt. Some people stop eating. Some people are bulimic. Some people purge. You, you have to do something when you're hurting because you, when you're hurting, you ever had it where you're hurting and you're just like, I'm going to go insane. I don't know what to do with this hurt. I'm going to absolutely go crazy. I got to do something with it. Go for a walk, go for a run, go whatever. These two went for a walk and encountered Jesus. Now, don't miss. In their hurt, Jesus showed up cool, huh? Jesus was right there. Did he know what they were bothered by? Yep. Don't you love it that God asked them, tell me about it. Tell me what's going on. And they do. And then they say that they were disappointed without using those words. Verse 22, in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Again, Jesus must have smiled. It wasn't a vision, you guys. I sent the angels. I sent them. The women saw them. Peter did go into the tomb. John did go into the tomb. They saw Jesus' grave clothes. They were told by the angel, he's risen. And still, they didn't quite get it. So here's how Jesus responds. He said to them, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Okay, now can I just point something out? Jesus is talking about third person now. Isn't it interesting? See, they don't recognize him. Did he say, how slow you are to believe everything that happened to me? But Jesus took the third person. It's kind of, a, it's kind of an interesting way to do this. And he's saying, don't you realize what hap- had to happen to the Messiah? They still don't have a clue that he's the Messiah. But he's talking in third person with them, you know? And, and so interesting. So this is what he does. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. They just didn't know it was about himself. Okay, when I say hindsight is twenty twenty, what did he do? So you can't make sense of your current situation. You can't make sense of what happened on Easter morning. So I'm going to go back and we're going to start with Moses. And Jesus is going to use the Bible 
to explain everything that happened to, about the Messiah, about how he had to suffer, about how he had to rise. Do you know in the Old Testament, there's 333 prophecies about Jesus? 333. Jesus could have pointed to all 333 of them and said, let me tell you 333 things about the Messiah that speak about the Messiah in the Old Testament. In fact, some mathematicians did this. They said, what would be the likelihood of anybody else matching 333 prophecies about one person? And they said, here would be the likelihood. Take the state of Texas and fill it with quarters, four deep. So just think quarter after quarter. The whole state of Texas filled with quarters, four deep, and send somebody into Texas to pick out one quarter. And then send another person in and say, okay, your job is to go pick the same quarter that that person picked. That's, that's the mathematical likelihood of one person matching 333 prophecies. And so Jesus went back and said, hindsight's 2020. Let me go back and explain to you from the Bible everything about the Messiah. Hint, hint, myself, was what Jesus was saying. So now, our story goes on. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. I'll tell you what, that must have been the worst moment of all. Like, it's Jesus, it's you, poof, gone. And they must have been like, oh, man. We finally saw him, gone. They recognized him for a brief moment, and then he disappeared. And I bet they were almost more, you know, what was going on inside of them? Unbelievable excitement, unbelievable frustration. Like, why couldn't this moment last just five minutes 10 minutes. Couldn't you stay with us for an hour and answer all of our questions, Jesus? All the things that we want to know? But please don't miss. He took them back to the scriptures and said, you want to make sense of your life? You want to make sense of everything that happened? Look in the Bible. You and I, you want to make sense of your life? Go back and look in the scriptures. I want to challenge you. Over the next 31 days, I want you to read the book of Proverbs. Take one chapter a day. It's a book filled with knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. You're looking for answers in your life. You're looking for what's going on in your life. You got a decision to make. You're wondering why you're hurting. You're wondering what's happening. I think you're gonna find, go back to the Bible. So turn, if you will, um, you can read the rest of the story. So, just, you know, they run back to Jerusalem and they tell Jesus, or they tell the disciples everything they just experienced. For the sake of time, I want you to turn to Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3. Because in life, we don't understand what's happening when it's unfolding. It's like watching a mystery movie. While it's unfolding, you're trying to figure out how it's gonna end and you don't know how it's gonna end, but you're trying to figure it out in the middle of it. And that's how our life is sometimes, like a mystery. It's a divine mystery. God at work, 
human circumstances. We're trying to make sense of all of this. And while it's unfolding, we can't figure it out. And sometimes we're hurting and we do bad things because we're hurting because we can't understand it. And here's what God says. This is part of the wisdom of Proverbs. Chapter three, verse five. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Not some, not most, not a little bit. All, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That's why I want you to get back to the word. That's what Jesus did. Let's do the same thing. When you can't figure out your life and you're trying to understand it and it's not making sense, go back and say, God, I can't understand this and I'm trusting in you. And then he says, in all your ways, submit to him and he'll make your path straight. So in other words, I can't make sense of my life. I'm seeking God. I'm seeking his wisdom for my life. I'm trusting him. Now God says, as I'm trusting him, I also need to submit, meaning willingly surrender myself to Jesus and his will. And I may not understand it. It's okay. I don't need to because I know whose hand I'm holding. Reach out and hold on to God's hand. Trust him. Follow him. Try not to sin because you're hurting. Try not to sin in the process. And as time goes on, you'll look back and say, wow, now that makes sense. So let me, let me just go back and tell you again what I told you at the beginning. The greatest event of all history just happened. Jesus rose from the dead. And Jesus opened up their eyes to see him, to understand everything about what happened on Easter. And they had the complete picture now. They understood fully what the event was all about. They understand fully what they were taught. And the Bible doesn't say anything more about when these two went back and everything that they said to the disciples, but I would imagine that they spent all night teaching the rest of the disciples how Jesus had to die, how Jesus had to rise, and everything that the Bible said about that moment to encourage the disciples that though they had not seen Jesus yet, the greatest miracle had still happened. That's how it is in our life. God is at work doing the greatest work in our life when you're at the worst moment of your life. When you're hurting, God is working overtime. When you're lack, not understanding, God is at work because you're not understanding the mind of God. But he's still at work. It's incredible. Don't be discouraged. I want you to go back. Go back and read Proverbs. I think you're going to find over the next 31 days, God is going to speak to you in an incredible way take you back to his word and I think you're going to find a lot of things a lot of answers if you've never especially if you've never read Proverbs oh my goodness are you in for a treat you're going to learn so much about God well let's pray okay Jesus today was so interesting it was interesting how you met these two in their despair and you didn't just tell them, you asked them 
to explain how they're feeling and what they're thinking, even their disappointment. And then you gently taught them and brought them closer to you. Jesus, bring us closer to you so that whatever we face, we don't have to necessarily worry about the circumstances, but we, we know whose hand we're holding. And we know you're reaching out to us and you're already holding us, but Lord, help us to reach out and hold your hand so that in those times that we don't know, we always know who we're holding on to. When we don't know what to do, we're always holding on to you, trusting in you every step of the way. Jesus, how can we say thank you for suffering on the cross, dying on a cross, to save us from our sins so that when we act inappropriately in our hurt, thank you that you still love us and forgive us and you'll never abandon us. Thank you for that. And Lord, help us to find healthy ways to deal with how we're hurting because we're broken individuals and we really need you. In your name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you are challenged and encouraged to walk in truth in your everyday. Please share with friends and family, and we can't wait to have you next time on the Messiah Podcast.